Welcome to West Virginia and Commonplace. Today I have with me Dana Humphrey. Please tell the audience about yourself and about what you are bringing to the table today. <laughs> All right. Hey, everyone. I'm Dana, and I am an entrepreneur and a professor. My first business I started back in 2007, which is Whitegate PR, and we specialize in public relations in the pet industry. So I do some, some pet stuff. I run a few pet businesses, and I also am a life coach and a death doula. Ooh, that's a lot there. We might as well just call you a mogul. Uh, (laughs) Dana the the mogul okay so um tell us about who Dana the pet lady who is she well the pet lady is um basically well what happened was I was doing a tv segment in California I was um in Fresno and I was doing a tv segment with my friend's cat she really wanted her friend's cat to be on my, my friend really wanted her cat to be on tv and um, in Fresno, they introduced people as the something, something lady. So right before me was the plant lady. And then I came on and they said, well, we have Dana here, the pet lady. And I said, oh, I like that. I'm keeping that. <laughs> so during that live segment, my friend's cat jumped off the table, jumped back on the floor, climbed up my leg and dug his claws fiercely into my thigh. And we were live on TV. And so I'll never forget that day when the cat, you know, the cat came back and clawed my leg. And that's when I got coined the pet lady. And so since then, um, I do TV segments all around the country, giving tips and tricks to pet owners on how to take better care of their pet on ABC, NBC, Fox, CBS, whatever the channel. And um, now I have the trademark and I have the website, thepetlady.net. Okay. Okay. So that's another facet of being a mogul. So let's go ahead and we'll do the 2020 question. Uh, You remember Barbara Walters and Diane Sawyer? I do. I do. So we'll just cut straight down the middle. Who is Dana Humphreys? You know, I'm a person that likes to dance and do yoga and I'm a cat mama and I like to help people. That's really who I am. Okay. Now in knowing who you are and knowing about your business, how did you start a PR firm? And let me go a little bit more and I'll elaborate. When you start a PR firm, do you start with a piece of paper? Do you just jot out what you want to do with this? This, Give me an idea of how to start a PR firm so that the audience can know how to start a PR firm. And then tell us a little bit about what you think success is and what success is to you. All right. So I can tell you my story. Um, back in, back in 2007, I was living in San Diego. I was working full time for a pet company called Muttropolis and I was doing all their PR and marketing. And my boyfriend at the time wanted me to do some email marketing consulting for his company. And, um, so I started the company. I, I went down to the treasury department. I filed a DBA and I, I filed for the company as a doing business as, which is, the the type of business structure that has the least protection. A lot of times when you think about a new business, you think of a LLC or maybe a corporation. A DBA is like the simplest kind. So I went down to the treasury department. I filled out my DBA. Um, You have to send out some advertisements to let local businesses know. It's basically saying that I, Dana Humphrey, am going to be doing business as Whitegate PR. So I went ahead and I did that. And I did, a, um, I did start doing some email marketing for, um, you know, the, the client. And then I moved to New York. Whoa. And then, 
I moved to New York from San Diego and I, I moved to New York for a job. I was, it was in the fall of 2008, right when the crisis was happening in the, in the U.S. And so I, after about two months at that job, I got let go. So I went home to my apartment in Brooklyn where I had two roommates and I I thought to myself, well, I just lost my job and I just moved to a new city. What do I do? And I was trying to think like, what, what do you do on that kind of day? You know? And I was like, do I go to a bar? Like, do I call a friend? Like, I don't, I was like kind of new to the city. I didn't have a lot of friends yet. And I decided to see about going full-time with my PR business. So I made one phone call. I called a, a pet author. Her name's Arden Moore. She's a pet behavior expert. And I called her. I'd been working with her in San Diego at Muttropolis. She made a recipe for mutt meatballs. And so we had her come in and do a demo. So I had started to be friends with her. Anyway, I called Arden Moore. I said, hey, Arden, you know, I think I'm going to start going full-time with my PR business. Do you know anyone who might want to be hiring a PR person? And she said, yes, I do. So she, she hired me right away. The client that I had been doing email marketing for called me that same day. I didn't even call them. They called me and they said, you know what? The holidays are coming. We really need you for more hours. And I was like, wow, great. I suddenly have more hours to give you. And Arden actually also introduced me to a couple more people. So that's how I started the business. And I have to tell you that, you know, the, the very next day I went out to Dunkin' Donuts, I got my coffee, I was on my way home and I found a desk. I found a free desk <laughs> high school. So I grabbed the desk and I started working from home. I had my free desk. I had my old laptop and I start, I went full time from that day. And over the years, you know, now it's been uh, about 13 years that I've been in business and I've had offices. I had had non-offices. I've had employees. I've had interns, but that's how it got started with a free desk from the side of the road and making a couple phone calls. So you can do it. You know, you don't need a lot. You said you need a piece of paper. You could use a piece of paper. I'll help you. <laughs> okay. So, in doing that, how did you transform um, pet product manufacturers with your PR work? Because here's the scope that I try to get people to understand when I when I ask these questions like this. Um, the normal person is not going to know exactly what you're doing inside uh, one of these companies. So yeah. can you explain how you helped form certain yeah. things? So something that I like to say um because I'm also a professor and a teacher is that it, you know, you can never be niche enough. And so when I first started the company, I was doing public relations for all kinds of companies. I had a, uh, I was doing olive oil. I was doing musicians. I was working with a few pet companies. Um, and after about a year, I decided to really focus on the pet industry um, because that's where my, that's where I was having the easiest time. And I could learn all of the people and the reporters and the editors that were in the pet industry and not have to worry about the music space or the food space. So I really decided to focus on the pet industry. But what I really do is come up with interesting newsworthy angles um, for my clients to be featured in the news. So um, how can the pet product manufacturer, so the person who makes the toys, the treats, the dog sweaters, the pet apps, 
the, the vet services, whatever it is, how can they be featured in TV, radio, magazines, newspapers, and blogs so that they can be found more often by pet owners? That's really what I do in a nutshell. Okay. And that's a lot. How do you, how yeah. do you think you're to do all that and have a life? It's never ending. That's why I've got to dance. Got to dance it out. Okay. All right. So we've got the PR down pack. Now let's move on to what's major right now. The life coach business. <laughs> now tell me this. Uh, I deal with tons of life coaches and we're talking North, South, East, West, Midwest, wherever. What made you want to dabble into life coaching? What happened in your life that gave you the reassurance that it was time to become a life coach? Because so many people tell me that nothing really happened. I just stumbled upon it. What happened to you? Well, I like that you said all the directions. I wear this necklace that um, represents new beginnings, and it's for the North, the East, the South, and the West. Um, I, I had a moment where I thought I really wanted to become a social worker. And I had about a week long where I was determined to get a master's in social work. And I was like ambitious about it. I was ready to go do the open house, go to the school, get sign up. And then that week that I was really motivated to become a social worker, um, four women in my life all kind of just popped in and they all had a master's in social work and they all came in and it was just kind of perfect timing that they were coming to talk to me that week for various reasons about different things. And I was able to ask them about their degrees in social work. And they all told me, don't do it. And I said, really? No, 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 I'm going to do it. I want to do this. And they all told me, don't do it. Don't do it. It's, um, it's a lot of work and it's frustrating and all, all these reasons. So I said, okay. So one of the women that told me this was a life coach and I actually hired her. Um, so instead of going back to school and getting a master's in, in social work, I decided to hire a life coach and I worked with her for about six months and she really encouraged me to become a life coach myself. And along the way, um, I've, I've written a book and I've become a certified death doula. And I really think that those two go hand in hand, the more that we acknowledge and honor death, the more we can live a beautiful, good life. Okay. So I'm all about savoring each day and helping others do the same. Now you mentioned something that I didn't mention. Let's talk about the book real fast. Cause this book goes back. We're going back to the pet lady, but tell me about this book that you didn't tell us about just a little bit ago. So the book, the book has been um, a bit of a monster of a project and it keeps changing and evolving. And so now it's kind of split into two um, so there's a pet, there's a book about codependency and pets. And then there's also a memoir that I'm writing about my life. Okay. Um, and I've just remembered that you asked me about what does success mean to me? And you know what success means to me is living a perfect day, waking up, feeling excited about life, having a beautiful coffee on the sunrise, dancing to my favorite song, maybe giving a good hug. Maybe having some like something really delicious. That's a that's success to me. And, and I really agree with that. Um, I think of success like this. I don't measure my success. I know that I set goals that I will attain. Um, success to me is a broader picture because um, so many people see a picture, but they don't see the frame around it. Mm. And the frame is what's what fortified 
fortifies that picture. So that's the success for me is actually the picture frame. And I always tell people that because when you think about it, we see tons of pictures, but how many pictures are really in frames, right? I just got two framed pictures today. So I'm going to double check those frames because you're right. It's all, you know, you need the structure. You need the balance of the masculine and the feminine, the structure and the, and the, and the flow. Okay. So as a life coach, what services do you offer people? Sure. So basically I help people be feel seen and heard and listened to so that they can process their own stories and see them from a new perspective, maybe with a little bit more love and care. And so I really help people retell their own stories. Um, and so I offer a couple different packages. It's more like amount of time, you know, whether they want to work together for a month or three months or half a year. Um, and I call those packages me, mine and moon. Okay, and can you go into a little detail about them? Not too much, because here's the secret. We always know that you can go over to your website, which is? DanaHumphrey.com. And you can find out this information, but can you just give us a little bit about me, a little bit about mine, and a little bit about Moon? Yeah, absolutely. So me is a, is a one-month package where we do um, weekly calls, and we do some rituals, and you get some Dana magic. Um, we also get some gifts. Um, the mine is a little bit longer. You get a little bit more one-on-one timing and you get, um, an in-person experience as well. And then the moon's like the full, full shebang, you know, you get everything, you get goodies, you get prizes, you get me, you get time, you get rituals, you get, um, in-person work and, um, and then you get to graduate after six months of doing some, um, some good hard work and get to, to celebrate the new you. Okay. So I'm over at DanaHumphreys.com and I see that you got a shop. What's inside yeah. the shop? So one of my hobbies is I like to make magic wands. Okay. So you can definitely buy a magic wand in there. Um, there's some yoni eggs. There's some cacao. Um, we have some, different little goodies that you can check out. And if you end up working with me on a coaching level, um, you'll be gifted some of those items as well. Also, and then there's another tab, body work. Yes. The body work. Yes. So um, I'm also a Reiki person. So I do energy healing. Um, Basically it's just using my hands to channel different um, energy to come um, on someone. I can do it in person or distance. I prefer to do it in person. Um, and that's the body work. That's the body work part as well as the death doula, um, the death doula work that I do. Okay. So you're multifaceted and we dug into a few things on the website. So, um, one thing that I, that I seen, uh, that you were talking about the codependency, um, my take from that, you have something on your page that web, that you have right there. Yes. Um, oh my Lord, I, my audience, I, and they're your audience too. Um, when you get a chance, go over to um, DanaHumphrey.com and, and see this. Cause that web, I posted your web a few days ago on my podcast. You gave me an idea with that because I was like, wow, that's so true in so many things in life. Um, so, Thank you. 
Yeah, I made that one night and, you know, I think it really helps break it down because codependency is not a popular name. It's not a popular word. It's not something that people really, you know, want to gravitate towards or claim for themselves. But I think once you read, you know, kind of what it involves, you know, it's like being a people pleaser and being always maybe endlessly giving some of these little um, symbols and signals that clue us into, oh, we might be acting codependent when we do those things. And what's the solution? And I, so I give some of those as well. All right. So when, where do you give these solutions? Where can someone get these solution, solutions? Because one thing I'll say, I am very codependent. I go out in the world and I try to do right by everyone. I try to give the craft of uh, podcasting to so many different individuals. And I like that feeling. I like knowing that, not the superiority part of it, but I like that feeling of being able to know that I hone certain skills that someone else doesn't have and that people need me for those skills. So, so absolutely. And I'm grateful that you do the work that you do. And, and there's something about giving, giving your mastery and then there's endlessly giving. Right. And so there's like this balance of being able to fill yourself up so that you can give to the world and be in an act of service, which I'm all for. And then there's giving so much that you're taking away from your own life. And that's where we need to learn some boundaries and saying no. So that's where that would come in. So boundaries right there. Boundaries. That's the key thing there. So let's talk serious about you real quick, Dana. Now you have all these things about you, and I'm going to use this term countless times in this interview, you're multifaceted. When do you take time for yourself? There's 24 hours in a day, but when is it Dana time? Because we can always say that we're going to dance, and I'm going to say comedic for the South. We can say we shuck and jive or do all this other stuff. Um, But when is that 15 minutes, that 20 minutes, or that hour-long period that's just Dana? Right. Thank you. Um, So I have a morning ritual. My morning ritual is very important to me where I really take time to focus on my morning. And like you said, you know, it's all about the picture frame. For me, it's all about the structure of my morning routine. And the morning time is me time. And I, I drink hot water and lemon. I, I write. Um, I do some stretching. I do some breathing. So I do some really important things for my structure and my me time in the mornings um, before 11 a.m. And I also get a good night's sleep. I don't underestimate the power of a good night's sleep. So I do rest. Um, I don't endlessly give and give and give, but I do like to live in a life of service. Okay. And there's nothing wrong with that, but here's one thing. Um, And you have the same similar factor that I have. And this is something that I always tell people that not everybody has this. You have a little bit of charisma to you. You got a lot. (laughs) how do you how do you channel your charisma because my charisma I give it to so many people that sometimes I have to just take a trip because with my job sometimes I could fly or whatever I'll take a 10-hour drive from West Virginia to Vermont or you know an eight-hour drive just to New York so that I can get my charisma back because I'm like man I'm putting all this energy out there and we're talking about the charismatic enigma that's you how do you channel get that energy back um yeah I get it so you refuel by when you're driving for me driving is not refueling at all um I prefer not to drive um honestly I love to dance and my kind of dancing is I just move my body in a way that feels good to me um I'm I call it like conscious dancing or 
um, it's almost like sensual yoga, really. I'm just okay. like moving around. And so when I give myself that freedom to just express myself and move however my body wants to move, that really is recharge for me. Okay. And, I, and I process a lot of things, like any issues I have in my life, any problems that I'm having, if I can just dance it, dance through it, um, a lot of it goes away. Okay, so 2020 flash dance, basically. Like the movie? <laughs> yeah, sure. Okay, yeah. We, can, we can go along with that. Okay, so you have all these services. Um, we talked about how you channel your energy, how you get your charisma back, because that's something that a lot of people won't talk about. I have people, when we discuss things, I'm like, can you tell me a little bit about yourself? And I can pick up on charisma. I have no special abilities or nothing, but I'm charismatic. So if I'm an enigma, you're going to be an enigma the same way with that. So we're over here um, and we're, we're talking about everything from the pet lady to the life coaching to the PR business. What's next? Well, I am excited to, um, to finish the book and, and launch the book hopefully this year. Um, what's next? And then um, uh, more traveling, more, more traveling. traveling. I spent a couple months this year um, in quarantine in Guatemala. Whoa. And so I have a desire to go back to Guatemala and do a reunion with my uh, roommates that I was living with while I was there and go on a, another Guatemala adventure. Okay. Well, if by chance you make it, make, make it down this way, definitely come by West Virginia. We're, <laughs> we're all and wonderful. Um, so now that we've talked about everything inside life coaching, right? How do you um, assimilate people to a certain way of thinking? Because this is how I feel about life coaching. I'll give you my opinion and then you can take it and either throw it in the trash or make it uh make it seem a little bit smarter than what I want to say. Um, a life coach, you're there to help someone enhance their life, correct? Yeah. All right. So someone like me, I'm very stubborn. It's hard to, <laughs> it's, it's hard to get me to assimilate or change my ways. Mm. What is a tactic that you use to help someone assimilate? Because change is the instrumental part in being yeah. better in life. That's a beautiful question. You have to want to be coachable. And I, I know this from firsthand. I used to not be coachable. <laughs> oh, whoa. Yeah. Yeah. I used to not want to be coached. I used to not be coachable. And I actually worked with, I used to be a runner and a marathoner and do Ironmans and stuff like that. And I had a running coach and he really gently taught me how to be coachable. And um, yeah, it's something that you have to bring, you have to bring your own desire to be coachable. Um, and the more stubbornness you bring, the less effective it's going to work, the more resistance that you have. And so usually just by kind of, it's kind of like the same as working with uh, going to the gym, you know, if you want to be there and you want to do it and you're excited about working out, even though it's hard, you'll get through it. If you're stubborn and you don't want to and you want to find excuses, you will, you'll find them, you know? So it's like that moment where the pain of not changing is so strong that you don't want to do it anymore. And you really find that drive that says, okay, I'm, I'm open to trying something different because it's too uncomfortable to stay where I've been. I like that answer. Okay. Now, 
we've got that part taken care of. And the cool thing I like about podcasts are there's so many things that are going on um, inside of the podcast, like, like the things that we talked about. What is something in your life that, that drew you to do the Reiki part in the other portion that I cannot pronounce? Um, what, what drove you to do those passions? Yeah, um, really, it was a kind of a combination of things. Um, I am, because I like to dance, I like to do yoga. Um, the yoga helps me with my dancing. And so, and I don't do any specific kind of dancing. It's just freestyle. But the yoga just, you know, yoga and dancing for me goes together. And so the place I like to practice yoga uh, was offering this Reiki workshop. And I really, um, I really trust and admire the person that runs the yoga place. And this was a good friend of hers. And I thought, you know what, I'm going to take the level one. And then I enjoyed it so much that I signed up for the level two. And so it's something that I use on myself. It's part of my me time. It's part of my Dana recharge time is I do give myself Reiki. Um, and I was also inspired by a friend of mine who is a Reiki master, um, who gave me an attunement many years before I started taking any Reiki classes. Um, so it's, um, it's a practice that I, I use on myself. I use on my pets. Um, I believe in it and, um, I like to share it and give it to others as well. Okay. So. Dana, this is the major question that everybody wants an answer to. Okay. Dun, dun, dun. Yes. Al along your journey, who helped you get that way and get there? I've had so many people help me. But there's always someone that's key instrumental. It could be at age eight. It could be at age 33. There, there was someone that was key and instrumental that gave you a drive to go do something. And if it wasn't a person, it could have been an animal. <laughs> I, I mean, everyone has a drive. I have a father that was a drive for me to do things. Um, I have a girlfriend that was a drive for me to continuously keep doing the podcasting because I was a fan of uh, Peter Jennings, Ted Koppel, and oh, okay. Larry King. So, you know, a drive there. And I, I have a lot of names. I have a lot of names racing through my head right now. I have to say, um, you know, my parents had a friend uh, who, and her name is Ellen. I mean, they're still friends with her. And I always admired her. She like, she lived by herself. We lived in, in California in the suburbs and she lived in, in Oakland and she lived in the hills of Oakland. And she had this like really cool apartment. She had this really cool house she lived by herself. And I just always remember seeing her life and thinking, wow, like she has so much freedom. She does whatever she wants, whenever she wants to. She lives in this really cool urban neighborhood. She can just walk around and get this like delicious fresh bread and whatever she wants. And I remember when I was really young, looking at her life and thinking like, why wouldn't everyone just live like that? <laughs> right. So here I am, you know, 30 years later, living in an urban environment, living by myself. So there was definitely something that I saw in Ellen's lifestyle that I wanted for my own. Okay. And that's positive. All right. Now there's something that I do um, on this podcast and I do it with every guest. Um, I had a guy on from Jamaica, Queens. He can solve in a Rubik's cube in 40 seconds. I had a lady on from um, Georgia, 
somewhere down in the down south. She goes to Goodwill stores, buys artwork, puts rhinestones on it, glitter, anything she wants, resells it, and actually gets a markup for it. Um, so it's your turn to tell the world about a secret talent or a secret that no one knows about you right now. I also like to bedazzle things. Oh, you're a bedazzler! These are my boxing gloves that I recently bedazzled. Um, yeah, I like to make art projects. And I kind of, you know, I told you a little bit about it before, but I do like to make magic wands. I like to walk on the beach and I like to find driftwood. And then I sand it and I paint it and I add jewels and glitter and feathers. So you and the lady from Georgia need to get together. Yeah, you need to you need to go up because that sounds fun. Maybe we could do a little Zoom crafting. Yeah, that does sound interesting. Okay, <laughs> and once again, Dana, I want to thank you for being on West Virginia and Commonplace. Um, it's amazing that you're a talent, you're a mogul, um, and, and sometimes people uh, get lost in translation with things. Understand, you help the world. Um, people don't grasp that concept, and, and the way that I explain it and the way I say it is like this. Um, we always get the reassurance that we help someone with something we do, but we never see that that uh, inside of that person when they shut the door, when they go inside their mind, when they go proverbially uh, anywhere. So I want to tell you, thank you for helping the world. A lot of people don't get that kind of thank you. And a lot of people don't know how to take that. They, they have a lot of gratitude. So they're like, okay, whatever. But really think about it. You shape people's lives. And, and, I, and I don't take this away from anybody because everybody molds and does stuff like that. But not everybody shapes lives. You can mold clay that's already just sitting there, but you're shaping lives. So that's something that's going to be more permanent in their lives. So how do you take that all in? Do you, does that really, does it make you feel really good inside? Or is it just one of those things where you don't even know that you're doing it? So it just goes by you. No, I can receive that. And I thank you. Okay. Yeah, I can definitely receive that. Okay. Well, thank you very much for being on West Virginia Commonplace. Definitely would love to have you come back because I know there will be many more ventures. The next time I talk to you, you might be running your own podcast. Who knows? Right. All right. Thank you. All right. Thank you.